For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is happening, gang? We have got an exciting show for you today on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Pulling. In today's episode, you are going to get a breakdown like you're not going to get anywhere in the football universe as we dive into Super Wild Card Weekend. We get Bill's perspective on all of the games, a full breakdown on the Johnnies, the Joes, all the players in the games, a little bit of X and No talk, a little bit of statistical analysis. Rick and I have a few kind of interesting questions this week that definitely set the tenor of the show, and you better make sure to pay attention because I think there were some moments where we weren't totally paying attention or following what the uh, Hall of Fame general manager wanted us to answer certain questions. So sit back, relax, and get ready. This is the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian, and this is our look at Super Wildcard Weekend. We got lit lamps, much like you guys. We are super excited because this begins the best time of the year. It's not Christmas. It's not New Year's. It's the beginning of the NFL playoffs. And this year, it's a little more special because it's super wild card weekend. We got six games to explore in today's episode of the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian. And a little bit of housekeeping before we get Bill's breakdown of the games. We're going to go in a little different order than probably every other show you're going to listen to that goes through these games. We're going to go in reverse order. So we're going to go in reverse chronological order. And it's for a very special reason, because it just so happens that the first game of the playoffs this year is a very important game for this show. It's the first Bill Polian Bowl with the Colts playing the Bills. So without further ado, Rick, I think you've got a little bit of housekeeping and then we can get into the mix. Absolutely. You know, in keeping with what we've tried to do with this show, to, to, to get you the real stuff, the inside stuff, the stuff that the players will hear from their coaches, our analysis, Bill's analysis, is going to present what they would hear in the scouting report for the team they're going to play this weekend. So it's going to be a little different, uh, a little more in-depth, a little more numeric, uh, not so much gut hunches. Uh, so this should be... Very informative for everybody, and then you can go out and make your own picks. Take it away, Bill. Okay, thank you, Rick. Um, first of all, let me give you some benchmarks on these numbers so you know what they mean. Third down efficiency, if you're on offense, you want 40% or better. If you're on defense, you want 40% or less, and the lower, the better. On fourth down, you want 50% or more, and if you are on defense, you want it to be closer to 40%. Uh, on average uh, per play, average number of yards per play, which measures the entire offense without any um, any reference to run or pass, um, six 
uh, on offense is your target if that's optimum uh and and on defense you want it to be five or below most of these playoff teams will fall in between um rushing you want 100 yards rushing a game that's your goal 250 yards passing that's your goal sacks you'd like to have one and a half uh a game uh at at absolute maximum that's 24 and you'd like to register to a game uh on defense which is 32 and uh interceptions and fumbles which is of course plus minus uh you want a positive plus minus uh in almost all cases the teams will hit the benchmarks i say almost there's some outliers um because um they're playoff teams they're good right right <laughs> but but the, but the teams on the back end um the seventh in, in not in the afc but uh, in the nfc the seventh qualifier and even some of the uh the the the, the lower rated teams don't hit the benchmarks exactly having said that just so you know what the what the benchmarks are supposed to mean uh we'll now take the games themselves and we will be, we'll, we'll, we'll compare the teams and by the way uh i did some, some analysis of rankings i'm only going to mention them when they're germane so if there's an outlier i'll mention it but conference is the only thing that counts. If you're a listener and you're going to the statistics and you're saying, well, Cleveland's uh, ranked uh, 15th in the league, it doesn't matter what they're ranked in the league because they're not playing the league. They're playing the AFC. <laughs> this is conference oriented. So um, don't, don't worry about the ranking in the league. Worry only about the ranking in the conference, which is readily available. We won't spend too much time about it because you can look that up in the newspaper. You don't need me to say. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna go through nine or 10 categories that the players will be told about uh, and they will see film on. And, and then we're gonna, on both sides of the ball, we're gonna, we're gonna discuss the players that have to play well and the players that have to be stopped. And if there is a, a special teams issue that crops up or that's really important, we'll mention it. Otherwise, um, other than field goal accuracy, which, which is pretty good for everybody, again, that's why they're in the playoffs, um, mm -hmm. we, we won't touch too much on the, on the kicking game. As the, as, the, as the playoffs go on, we'll get a little more in depth in the kicking game. And when we do the Super Bowl, uh, we'll, we'll, it'll be nerds paradise because we'll get into every single uh, we'll get into every single uh, uh, important statistic on in, in all three phases. All right, so let's start with the Cleveland Browns. Offensively, on third down, they're forty-four point nine, quite good. Uh, average yards per play, five point eight, quite good. Rushing yards a game, one forty-eight. That's uh, well below, uh, well above what you'd want. Passing yards, 221. That's eh. only giving up 26 sacks. That's okay. Uh, it's not ideal, but it's but it's okay. Only eight interceptions, uh, eight fumbles for a total of 16. 
Uh, PDs, they've got 50, and interestingly enough, their opponents have 50. And uh, their net punting, which is the only number that counts, is 38.3. Defensively, and this is interesting, on third down, they're 43.9. Only one point difference between their offense and defense. Fourth down, uh, we won't worry about fourth down. Uh, average uh, yards per play, 5.5, 0.3 um, below their uh, uh, their offense. Rushing yards, they're giving up 110. That's quite good. Passing yards, 248. Right on the number, it's it's not great, but it's but it's two yards under the number. Sacks, they've got 38. That's okay. Interceptions, they have 11. That's okay. Plus minus, 16 uh, uh, 16 takeaways, 21. Uh, I'm sorry, 16 giveaways, 21 takeaways. They're plus five. That's a good number. And uh, we talked about the TDs. Now, what does this tell you? It tells you an interesting story. In the conference, their offense is third in rushing. Their passing offense is 11th out of 16 in the conference. And yet, when you turn on the television, it's all Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. It ain't. It ain't. <laughs> and here is the pardon the pardon the incorrect English. Um, it was it was for emphasis. Exactly. And for, here, simply for emphasis. Yes. And here's why. Baker Mayfield's completion percentage is 62.8. He's averaging 7.33 yards per pass. That's good. That's good. His interception to touchdown ratio is 26 uh, uh, TDs, eight interceptions. That's good. But a passer rating of 95.9. Why? Well, because they're not throwing the ball down the field. Uh, But what they are doing is running the football. Listen to these numbers. Chubb, 5.6 yards a carry, 12 touchdowns. That's hmm. off the charts. Yep. Hunt, 198 carries, 4.2 uh, yards per carry, six touchdowns. Chubb, I failed to mention, has 190 carries. Interestingly enough, Hunt has uh, has eight more carries than Chubb. Um, you would, in listening to the broadcast, you'd think it was the other way around. Chubb obviously is the more um, is, is is the more productive and the more explosive, and the touchdown uh, performance tells you that if you're defending the Cleveland Browns on the goal line, you better defend Chubb. Interestingly, Mayfield has 54 runs for only 3.1 y- uh, uh, yards uh, uh, per rush and only one touchdown, so he's really not a factor. Rushing the ball. Uh, what he is a factor is is on bootlegs, uh, but that's a different issue. Receiving. Landry. Seventy-two catches, eleven point seven. That's low for a wide receiver, especially a number one wide receiver. Twelve is what your what you is, is the baseline, and 
what you're looking at here is a guy who runs great routes, who catches the ball, who's really tough, but isn't really a down-the-field threat. The next most productive guy with 46 catches is Hooper, the tight end, at 9.5 a catch, which is good for tight ends. You'd like tight ends to be ideally at 10, but, but you know, 9.5 is more than good enough. And he's got four touchdowns. Hunt is next, a check down back, 38 uh, receptions, 8.0 average. A lot of that is run after the catch, three touchdowns. Next is T. Higgins, only 37 uh, uh, completions, 16.2 average. That's big time. So he's the man. He's the guy you have to defend. But he only has 36 touches. Why? Well, we'll we'll try and figure it out. The next guy in the mix is Njoku, who has become a a kind of a fourth wide receiver uh, and plays in four wide receiver sets. He's 19 catches at 11.2. Now, he was hurt a good portion of the year, and he was in the doghouse a good portion of the year. So uh, those numbers are, are, are a little bit skewed. And finally, Peoples Jones, who has arrived on the scene in the last month, 14 catches, 21.7, and two touchdowns. So as defensive coordinators look at these numbers, they say Landry's the go-to guy, but he's probably not the guy we have to worry about um, uh, going down the field. The guys we have to worry about going down the field are Higgins and Peoples-Jones. So that will dictate coverage when they're in the game. When Higgins and Peoples-Jones are in the game together, you're likely to see a lot of zone coverage, unless it's a blitz, because you want to keep those guys in front of you because they're the big guys who can run and win the 50-50 balls and let Landry do the dirty work underneath. That's their passing game. And the running game is Chubb and Hunt, boom, boom, left, right, left, right, left, right, pulling you to death. And that's the way they win. Uh, Baker Mayfield really just has to be accurate with the ball and not make mistakes because the running game can handle the, handle the rest. Any questions on the Cleveland Browns? So, Bill, as you, you mentioned, uh, Baker Mayfield only had a 95 rating. You know, last year's he even the ball down the field and so on and so forth. Uh, if you were, if you, you had been coaching the team, is, is this the way you have gone to try and take him from a guy who's trying to carry the team or change the game or be spectacular into a guy who with that, with that running game, just sort of manages the game, gets what's there and doesn't try and force the issue. Yeah, that's correct. That's absolutely correct. And when they, when they don't play well, it's because he's wandering around outside the pocket, uh, flushing early and, and, uh, and uh, you know, making ill-conceived throws. When he stays within himself and, 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 and does what uh, executes the boots and throws the ball to the open man, that's, that's when they play well. So we'd be remiss if we didn't hit this. So just to set the stage for you guys, we're recording this on Tuesday as kind of the news is breaking about sort of the COVID situation that's happening in Cleveland uh, with Coach Stefanski probably not being available for the game. 
Joe Batonio, several other players likely out for the game. One thing that I think would be interesting is what would happen if we get into a situation where the situation, God forbid, gets worse in Cleveland to the point where they they couldn't have kind of like what happened with the Ravens earlier in the year, where it would necessitate from a player safety standpoint, that game not being played, would that precipitate the entire weekend of the playoff shifting? Or would that be, we just got to figure out where we play this game between the Steelers and the Browns? The latter. It would be a postponement, a movement of the game. This is hot off the press. As of now, as we're recording, um, there is the feeling that, that everything's going to be fine, that we don't have community spread within the team. But they're monitoring it very carefully. Hey, Bill, can you uh, go back over – you've explained this before, but I think this being the playoffs, it's as important as ever. Explain the competitive balance issue versus the player safety and welfare issue as to when something actually would be postponed. Uh, there's only action taken on the game with respect to medical. Dr. Sills and his group makes that decision. It has nothing to do with uh, competitive balance. We got plenty of weeks to play these games. If one had to be, even if one had to be postponed uh, to an extra time, we can we we, we can do that. Uh, we can move it uh, uh, to Monday if necessary. There's any number of things that can be done. But um, it would it would never be done for competitive reasons. It's only done if Dr. Sills feels that there's a medical reason to either postpone or cancel the game. Got it. So if Coach, Stefanski, if Coach Stefanski and and both coordinators are not there, they're not there. That's all. That's all there is to it. We're we're available if they need people. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Scott, I'm not real okay. busy Sunday. Yeah, you've always Let's looked go good to the headset on those, Scott. Yeah. Let's go to the black and gold. The Steelers. Um, some of these numbers are a bit skewed because they racked up phenomenal numbers when they were healthy. They're not now, as we know. Um but the numbers still paint a picture of a team that has a very different personality than, than the ones we've come to know and love with the Steelers. So with their offense, third down 42.2%. The defense is giving up 37.4. That's magnificent. Uh, average yards per play for the Steelers, 5.1. For their opposition, 4.9. Third down, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, touchdowns. uh, The Steelers have scored 50, the opposition 36. That's magnificent. Here is a change in personality, however. Steeler rushing yards per game, 84.4. That might be, I I didn't look it up, but it might be the, the, the newest of the modern era. Um, I mean, the lowest of the modern era, I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, passing, 250.2. That's fine. Um, sacks, they've given up 14. Ben just doesn't take sacks, and he shouldn't at his age. 
Um, the Steelers defense, listen to this number. And again, we, I recognize that one of the great rushers is not there. 56 sacks. Ooh-wee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. And, and completion percentage uh, uh, by the opposition with 56 sacks, you knew this number was going to be what it is, 56.7 completion percentage, probably among the lowest in the league for opposition. Um, interceptions, they have 11. And uh, I'm sorry, they, they've thrown 11 and picked off 18. They've recovered seven fumbles. And uh, I'm sorry, they've committed seven fumbles and, and recovered nine. So their plus minus is um, uh, plus nine, which is, of course, ideal. Cleveland is plus five. So if you just want to, you just want to compare those two statistics, that's interesting. Let's now turn to the Johnnies and Joes, not the X's and O's. Roethlisberger, 65.6 completion percentage, 6.25 yards per attempt. That's very low. Seven is what you're aiming for. That's very low. Um, 33 uh, touchdowns, 10 interceptions, three to one. That's fine. 94.1 evidence of not real great productivity down the field in the passing game. Um, in the passing game, Smith Schuster, Juju, the 97 catches for 8.6 yards. Well, that's really low for a guy of his talent level. Johnson, 88 for 10.5, seven touchdowns. Juju has nine. Uh, he's the go-to guy, obviously, in the red zone. Claypool, the rookie from Notre Dame, 62 catches, 14.1. That's that's pretty much right on the number from, from what you'd want from a downfield receiver. Nine touchdowns. Um, the well-traveled Eric Ebron, 56 catches, uh, 10.0. That's on the lower end number as a for a tight end, five touchdowns. And Washington, um, interestingly enough, comes in with um, 30 catches, 13.1, which tells you that he, he has a, a lot of explosion. It's right up there with Claypool and five touchdowns. So this is a this is an offense that 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 really, other than Claypool and Washington, who for whatever reason isn't used a lot. Um, doesn't have a downfield threat. Although I would argue that it's Juju. So maybe, but maybe there's, there's a flaw in the offensive system. I, I, you know, that, that doesn't allow him to, to make the plays that he, that he used to make. Uh, but this is definitely not a downfield passing game. And, and that, um, you know, that the numbers tell you that 6.25 is without doubt the lowest in, of Ben's career. And doesn't have anything to do with his arm. It has to do with the design of the offense, the, whether or not they can protect him, and and the idea that he's getting the ball out real fast because he, he doesn't want to get hit. The running game, again, unstealer like James Conner, who's the best they have, 169. That's that's a lot of carries, 4.3 yards per carry. 
4.5 is ideal. It, it speaks to what James is. He's a, he's a terrific uh, avoid runner without a lot of acceleration and explosion. He's an effort guy all the way. You love him. He's just a smidgen uh, less than explosive with six touchdowns. Benny Snell, this, this one shocked me. He's got 111 carries at 3.3 per carry uh, with four touchdowns. That was really shocking to me. I, my sense was that Benny Snell was more explosive than he is. Um, so, uh, you know, as a as a defensive coach, I'm sure they're telling the guys, hey, this guy can go off at any any time. But the numbers tell you that he, he's, he's underperformed what, what you really, your eyes tell you he should be. Uh, and McFarland, uh, the rookie, has 33 carries at 3.4. So um, the offensive line is not getting the job done. That's, that's what it tells you in the running game. The offensive line's not getting the job done because you should not have guys averaging 3.3 and 3.4. If they were all averaging 4.3 or 4.2, you'd say, okay, this, this, you know, there's, there's no explosion in this running game. But with, with, with 111 carries at 3.3, uh, actually it's 144 carries at 3.3. Um, you know, the offensive line is not getting the job done. Um, Boswell, a field goal kicker, because in, in Pittsburgh, that's an issue. Obviously, you go to the open end. That's the place where field goal kickers go to die. Um, <laughs> Boswell is, uh, is, is, is 34 of 38 on extra points and 19 of 20 on field goals. He's always been, um, he's always been really good. Cody Parkey for Cleveland, um, 43 of 48 uh, extra points and 19 of 22 field goals. So um, uh, that, that's one to watch. And, of course, we know that Cody Parkey had a double doink in the playoffs for the, uh, mm-hmm. for the Chicago Bears. A number of years ago, so if you're if you're thinking about giving somebody an edge, I would say clearly it's Boswell in this game because it's in Pittsburgh, and uh, and Cody's got to go toward the toward the Valley of Death at the open end there in in uh, Heinz Field. <laughs> so strategy wise, I mean, just in looking at this from a matchup perspective, I think just taking two steps back in terms of what your strategy and philosophy was. When you're playing a divisional opponent or anybody in back-to-back weeks, you know, ending the regular season, going into the playoffs, what would your strategy have been? Would it have been kind of similar to how the Steelers approached it? Or would you have said, hey, let's knock this team out of the playoffs. We do not want to see Cleveland uh, when we get into January. No, uh, clearly uh, Mike Tomlin just uh, said, hey, we'll rope a dope. We'll sit everybody down. Uh, We'll get everybody rested. Uh, we'll run the uh, the offense that we ran in minicamp. Uh, no no frills or fancy stuff. Nothing that uh, that they're going to see uh, when it's for real. Uh, that's what he decided to do, and it's very likely what uh, what Tony or, or Coach Levy would have done. So, Bill, just in terms of you know trying to understand, I guess you could call it the character of a team or uh, some other non-statistical more ephemeral thing is this the Steelers in these remarkable streaks of winning and losing and so on that they had you know talk about what you know why how that happens how you correct for that and if that's significant 
versus a team that plays more steadily, you know, over the course of the whole season. Well, the Steelers, the Steelers played magnificently until the injury bug hit them. Don't forget they were 11 and 0. They got to hurt. This is, this is just a team that's been, that's been bedeviled by injury, including Mm -hmm. injury to key people, James Conner, the great outside rusher, uh, Devin Bush, the, the best linebacker they've lost. They've lost, uh, two of the main cogs in their, in their defense and they're, and they're still really good. And then Spillane came in and stepped in for Bush and he got hurt. So this is a, this is a team that's played very consistently throughout the year. James Conner has been in and out of the lineup because of injury. They don't really have another explosive back. Um, this is their, these numbers tell you, um, I forget the word you used, but it, I would take issue with it. These numbers tell you what a team, oh, you, you said character. <laughs> Uh, uh, these numbers tell you what a team's personality is, and you'll see that as we as as we go forward. Um, uh, you know, we talked about Cleveland. What's their personality? Their personality is Kevin Stefanski's personality: play action, run the ball, uh, bang it in with the with the with the big guy Chubb, come back with the gut punch with Hunt, uh, bootleg, take care of the football, throw it carefully, move the chains. And if you have a shot downfield and it's a safe shot, take it. That, that's that's their personality, and they and that's what that's how Kevin wants to play, and that's what these numbers tell you. Um, and and with with Pittsburgh, uh, when you're facing their defense, whoever's wearing a a, a black jersey, uh, buckle up. <laughs> they're coming after you, and 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 they're gonna they're gonna knock you down. And they're going to knock you down. They're going to knock you down again. 56 sacks. That's beyond consistent. That's beyond consistent. It's a big boy number. Big and that's with the pre being so, down, Bush that's being Bush down. Bush. That's a legit right. number. I should have probably not asked the question because what I'm saying is this is the Johnnies and Joes, not the X's and O's. If you don't have the people, it doesn't matter if you have the great scheme. It doesn't matter how much you want to win. Uh, and they were 11 and 0. And, and, you know, you have to get healthy again before you can do anything. So, uh, so uh, do you feel like they're peaking again at this point? No, because they've lost all those great players on yeah. defense. But the, but they they keep hanging in. Their character shows because they keep hanging in and and banging on one another, banging on you. And the scheme is good enough, and the back end is good enough. Now Joe Hayden may be out too, by the way, which would be the last possible straw. Uh, that might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But having said that, they've hung in tremendously on defense. They believe in their scheme. They believe in themselves, and and they've done a hell of a job. I don't know if they can if they can keep it up. I think they'll win this game because it's in Pittsburgh. But um, I don't know if they can keep it up throughout with all these injuries. It's just it's just really it's it's, it's taken what was a defense that was really fun to watch. You know, if you're a defensive guy as I am, I I got excited watching them. They just were so much fun. They just knocked people around, and the scheme was great. They covered. Minka Fitzpatrick is the all-pro safety. You know, it was it was great, and 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 it's not great anymore because because of the injuries, and that's too bad. Okay, moving on. To the Chicago 
uh, bears uh, versus, let me find my notes here. I'm shuffling around. Bears Saints. Bears Saints. I'm looking for my Saints notes here. All right, let's, I have oodles of notes on note cards here, so. Let's get rid of that. Let's see. As we all should. There's nothing wrong with putting your notes on note cards. I feel like people have yeah. gotten away from that. Yeah, if you're going to have them, it's best to have oodles of them. Well, it's also because somebody's yeah. iPad didn't come in time for Christmas. Well, that's also true. But, but I didn't well, complain That's true. I, but I do. I, I blame Scott for that. Well, I, everyone blames me for that. All right. I found the Saints. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's now turn to the New Orleans Saints and the Chicago Bears. Let's first talk about the Chicago Bears um, and give you a little background. Uh, many years ago, 15 years or so ago, maybe even 20 years ago, uh, there was a hue and cry to increase the playoffs. And Commissioner Tagliabue came to the competition committee of which I was a member and said, I want you guys to do a study of um, who the seventh team would be if we went to uh, a seventh-team playoff. Who would they be? What would their record be, et cetera? So we did a study. We went back uh, 20 years, and uh, we looked at all the records, and we computed who the seventh team would be. And we found out that the seventh team, the best they would be would be eight and eight, and they would most times be seven and nine. And the lowest rated team six went out of the playoffs early at a very very high number so even six was a suspect team and seven would have been suspect plus so what you get i'm gonna i'm gonna break the suspense here and say what you're getting with the chicago bears is suspect plus uh so offensively on third down, 34.6. Not good. Defensively, 38.1. Good. Uh, touchdowns, 40 scored, 41 given up. Not so good. Average yards per play, 5.1. Barely enough. Eee, squeaking by. Um, defense, giving up, 5.4. Not so hot with, with a good defense. 103 yards rushing per game, 113 given up. That's uh, not good. Uh, 228 passing yards a game, 231 given up. Not good. You, you ought not to be minus in, in either of those categories. Um, opponent's completion percentage of 64%. That's okay. Um, interceptions, they've thrown 16. They've picked 10. Fumbles. They recovered. Uh, they, they've uh, recovered uh, uh, eight and fumbled six times, and they are minus four uh, giveaway takeaway. Minus four giveaway takeaway used to be minus giveaway takeaway used to be the harbinger of doom, because if you were minus in giveaway takeaway, the odds of you making the playoffs were very low. But now we have seven teams in, so there you have it. Um, interestingly, Cairo Santos, their kicker, is um, 
36 for 37 in, in uh, extra points and 30 for 32 in field goals. And of course, this game will be played indoors. So uh, hopefully there won't be a double doink this time. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, everybody's favorite quarterback. Uh, and I say, I, say, I say that with tongue in cheek, but the numbers are going to tell you something here. This, to me, was uh, revelatory. 67% completion. Good. Right on the money. It better than good, actually. 6.92 for pass. You want seven or better. So that's not great, but it's not terrible. 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's two to one. That used to be good enough in the old days, in the pre-Patrick Mahomes days. It's not anymore. Three to one is what you need. So he's below the line there. And a 93.5 QB rating, and 100 is the magic number, as we've said all along. If you're going to advance in the playoffs and, and even get into the playoffs, your, your quarterback needs to be 100 or awfully close to that. All right, let's look at the, at, at, at the players. The guy that's, that's driven this resurgence for the Bears is Montgomery, the running back. 247 carries. No wonder the guy was banged up. <laughs> this is yeah. There was, a, there was definitely an uh oh moment in Chicago when he went down again this weekend. Yeah. Yes, this, this guy's doing the work of two people. Yeah, Up three. Not great, but okay. Eight touchdowns. Cordero Patterson, believe it or not, the next most used rusher. Sixty-four carries, three point six average, one touchdown. Cordero is a great kick returner, and not much more. Now, because he is so explosive, he's a great decoy when he's in the game. But if you think you're going to make a running back out of him, no. That, the, the numbers tell you. That was you. a heady play, though. On, uh, that was a heady play to open the game on Sunday, on Sunday, though, don't you think? Yeah, sure, because it frightens everybody. Yes. Yeah. It makes you – everybody's scared of his speed in the open field. And, yes, it was. Good thinking. Um, receptions, it, it, it is what it is. It's what you see on television and what you hear on television. Robinson, 102 uh, receptions, 12.3, six touchdowns. You'd like that 12.3 to be in the 13 range, but that's not Robinson. He's, he's, he's not a downfield receiver. He's a good, solid uh, uh, number two. I, I kind of hate to use that term, but it's, but it's probably apropos here. The next most used receiver is Mooney, 61 catches, 10.3, four touchdowns. I think he's got a chance to be a little bit better uh, and get a little more stretch into his game. Uh, he's only a rookie. And so, you know, if you're a Bear fan, you say, well, you know, that's pretty good on the horizon there. Montgomery, uh, 54 catches. So 300 touches for Montgomery. He's the man. Uh, you know, if, if you're planning to play against the Chicago Bears, stop Montgomery is task one. Because he's the guy. Without him, they're not eight and eight. Um, 8.1 yards uh, 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 an, an attempt, which is, which, is which is good for a running back. Um, 
two touchdowns. Uh, the the venerable Jimmy Graham, 50 catches, 9.1 yards, eight touchdowns. So uh, the defense uh, says to themselves, in the red zone, who are we looking for? Answer up, guys. You just heard the numbers. Who should we be watching in the red zone? I, I would think you got to worry about David Montgomery a little bit. And who else? Rick? I'm not paying attention. I may. Rick's I, I not may paying attention. Your, I, I may wasn't paying attention. Yeah, it's a make your Dave, Rick, here we go. You're a laps fan. I would worry about David Montgomery. And I think I would worry a little bit about Jimmy. But, you know, I also like, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. I like a certain somebody who might have gone to Penn State in the red zone, but hey, that's just me. Well, you better worry about Jimmy Graham in the red zone because he's 9.1 per I, catch, but eight touchdowns. Right. There you go. So that's so, Those so, will be my two. So, Rick, left so, the lesson be shown. I passed, tried to give you a softball. You didn't take it. Yeah, I thought I, I know, that I could get a Penn State setup. Well, the reason I was so, doing that, and I apologize, I was distracted. Hey, Bill. I just wanted to ask the thing I was going to ask No excuses, no no excuses. Uh, all no right, no excuses. Here, all right. Yeah. It was Trubisky one versus Trubisky two I was looking at. I mean, how he played, you know, after he came back, I mean the numbers if, if, are certainly very significantly different. Uh especially in the last five games. I mean, is does that kind of a progression even you know, independent of the other guys being more important with the running game? I mean to me, he's really shown something when he's come back and got a second chance this year. Yeah, well, that's because Montgomery is there in conjunction with. It's okay. So you think all, his, all that Montgomery's turnaround's been crazy. I mean, because Montgomery's first half wasn't what the second half been. No, he he was probably a little nicked, I would guess. Well, let the record show. I passed the test. Rick did. All right. That's the last time I look for it. That's the last time I look on my phone while Bill's talking. I apologize. Neither of you really passed because I should get the answer. If we're in a meeting preparing for the playoffs, I should get the answer instantaneously. Because you've been given the scouting report in advance. And my, my head, my head just hit the desk when the lights went down. So, you know, (laughs) so. (laughs) Well, you're going to get fine. All right. All right. Let's turn right. to the. Let's turn to the. Uh, 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 I mentioned. Uh, I didn't mention Cairo Santos. Uh, thirty-six for thirty-seven. Uh, Thirty for thirty-two. Uh, really solid year. Uh, and 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 a guy that you know. I think is 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 pretty reliable. So you shouldn't worry too much about about. Uh, you know about the field goal game here. It looks like it it. it even though the Saints have an edge, um, it's not a huge one. All right, let's go to the Saints because the picture here is very different, at least than my perception was. I don't know about yours or our listeners, but it was I was shocked when I saw these numbers. Uh, on offense, third down, 44.7. Defense, 38.2. Ooh-wee. Average yards per play, 5.8. Six is uh, hitting the jackpot. That's, that's boy, that's good. And on defense, 5.0, which is where you want to be. 
141.6 rushing yards per game. I never, never anticipated that. And 235 passing. I, I expected to be in, you know, in the 260 passing range and, and that number 125 rushing. So this is, this is a team that's driven by the run. And by the way, on defense, they give up 94 rushing and 217 passing. Now, I stand corrected because Jimmy Nance and other really good broadcasters, uh, Ian Eagle and his crew, have talked about how good they are on defense. Um, the rankings astounded me against the run, their third, against the pass, their fourth. But I, I, my perception wasn't that they were this good. They are. Um, completion percentage, they're completing 71%, including the time when Drew was out. So that's really smoking. Um, they're giving up 60, which is, which is well below the, the norm. They've only thrown eight interceptions. They picked off an amazing 18. Um, they have uh, given up nine fumbles, but interestingly enough, they've fumbled 27 times. That's a bad number because with fumbles, um, the law of averages takes over. At some point, that, that, that recovery to fumble ratio is going to get closer to 50% or at least 40%. And, uh, and that doesn't bode well. That's a worrisome number. And on defense, uh, the opponents have fumbled 17 times, which is about normal. And they've recovered eight, which is about normal. So it shows you how abnormal their recovery number is on offense. TDs, they've scored 59. They've given up 39. They're plus nine. Uh, they're plus nine uh, uh, giveaway takeaway. And they have, uh, they have given up 29 sacks, which is a little high for them. Um, some of that is when Drew was out. And they recorded 45. So... This is a dynamite defense, much better, <clears throat> excuse me, than my perception of them was. And, uh, and when I look at these numbers, I begin to say, this team yep. has a real chance to go a long way. Their hidden weapon, and they're going to be at home, of course, uh, is the kicking game. Their net punting average is 41.7. Their opponents, 39.5, but um, the, the, the return averages are arresting. Harris is 27.3 on kickoffs, and they're giving up 17.2 because of Morstead and his ability to punt the ball so, and, and kick off. So this is, this is a team that can, that's going to benefit greatly in the in the kicking game, and Lutz is 57 for 58 in uh, in extra points, and 23 of 28 in field goals. That's not really what you'd like, but he's been reliable in the past. But I would say on balance, because of Harris's return ability and because of Morstead's ability to hang the ball up, 
Um, this is a team that has an edge in the in the kicking game every week, particularly when they're at home. So, um, you know, this is uh, I don't I don't follow the point spreads, but I would make Chicago a, a pretty uh, pretty heavy favorite ball game. Yeah, yeah no, I think they're, uh, the they're the prohibitive. biggest dog in the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> they're, uh, so. they're the dog of the weekend. This would be yeah. the uh, this would be the Vegas shocker if the Bears win. Yeah, that's true. So, and, and uh, what's interesting so, to that point, seeing, uh, let me just make this oh, point, if you don't mind. I'll conclude on this uh, and answer your questions. What we're seeing is not a Drew Brees-driven team. What we're seeing is a team that runs the living daylights out of the ball and a team that plays lights-out defense with a really, really good and complimentary kicking game. So, you know, he's not going to win it because it's not sexy, but if you want to talk about doing a great coaching job, John Payton's doing a great coaching job. So, Bill, to that point, how much – okay, so here's the fan conspiracy theorist in me, right? So Saints shifted. The numbers prove it out. Definitely a little more of a running team, strong defense. You know, if that game scheduled Saturday, Kamara, because of the COVID protocols, probably doesn't play. But the fact that it's Sunday, he can be back. Very different team probably with Murray in the backfield versus Kamara. How much lobbying goes on behind the scenes? in terms of the clubs with the league, in terms of when games are played? Because we always hear that, like, whoever plays that late Sunday window, the game 256, always complains if they play especially an early game on Saturday. Is there any jockeying that goes on behind the scenes in terms of the clubs trying to work with the league on when they can get their game schedule? No, not not to yeah. – no. Not, not yeah. unless there's an extraordinary terrible situation or something like that. If you were scheduled to – end on the road in a late game on the West Coast, let's say you're Buffalo, you, you would probably say, you know, let's be fair and play us on Sunday, please. Um, and, and they'll take that under advisement. But in the end, they don't care. This is all driven by television. Yeah. So, like, and to so, that point, so, like, how so did the, the TV, media, like, that, how did the networks pick those games? Like, did the networks call the league and say, hey, we want, you know, Brady in the Sunday Saturday night slot, which seems to be a consistent place they put them. You know, when the Pats were playing on Saturdays or playing in the wild card round, is there a lot of behind the scenes with the networks kind of getting in touch with the league in terms of when yeah. and who they get, especially with these games with like Fox only getting one game this weekend? I, I, I've never been party to it, but I would bet a lot of money that there is. Yes, Howard Katz is the guy who handles that. He's the world's nicest person. Um, but it's still his job to schedule those games. And, and we simply, when we were in Indianapolis, we used to joke, well, you know, we're in the playoffs, so we're going to New England. And it's going to be, uh, the game, if they could play the game at uh, 11 in the evening, they might. And then someone would say, no, no, they won't get any ratings then. It'll be 9 o'clock kickoff. Okay, good. Yeah, that's right. And if it's snowing, so much the better. <laughs> you know, that's TV loves snow. So <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> They pay the freight. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no, there's, there's, other than the, the situation I gave you where you would have an extreme travel issue, which the league is cognizant of, um, I'm not aware of any jockeying that goes on. It's the networks yeah. that, 
that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was going to say that. That I mean, and that's that's only fair. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think uh, is the slot in your mind in, in a situation of plugs? What on the other side of your professional experience with ESPN and everything? What uh, what time slot gets the independent of who's playing uh, gets the best numbers? I mean, people are normally watching football on, on Sundays. Are they set that aside and it and comes in? Uh, is this, does Sunday night necessarily go up? Is Saturday worse? I don't know. The, does, I don't know. This, I don't. I'm not privy to the Saturday Sunday discussion. Um, I do know that during the regular season, the four o'clock window, if they have a marquee game. Will get or the 4:25 window will get really close to the to the night the eight you know the NBC number, right? Um, those are the two those are the two prime slots. Everybody else is uh, in Peoria. We used to joke. Uh, Jeff Fisher and I used to joke all the time about, but when both teams were good in the early 2000s, um, Tennessee and and Indianapolis, the game would be shown as far north as. Uh, as Muncie, Indiana, and and as far south as Franklin, Tennessee, no one else ever saw us play. They, they had no idea we were good. <laughs> we got to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I, was just, I, I was just thinking about that the, <laughs> that on a map, and, uh, at, which is really amazing. I mean, because uh, those were two really good teams for a lot of years. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and really good yep. games. Hard fought, yep. you know. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, I am trying to locate my Titans opponent. Uh, Ravens. Yes, the Ravens. Ravens. Yep. The Ravens. Yep. Yeah. Well, you can't I'll sleep on the team. We'll save that for a little later. Let's go to your favorite team, uh, the football team. And uh, the, oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, the numbers uh, scare you. The numbers are are, are really scary. Um, the football team uh, is averaging 39.1% conversion on third down. That's below the line. Uh, they're giving up 37.5, which is really good. Uh, their average yards per play on offense is 4.8. That's not good. Uh, on defense, they're giving up 4.9. That's good. They're rushing for 100.7 uh, yards a game. They're giving up 112.3. Uh, so that's not good. They're passing for 217 yards a game. That's beyond poor. They're giving up 192, which is really good. They've given up 50 sacks in 16 games. Oy vey. <laughs> you know, it's an, it's, an, it's an Irish expression. If anybody's not, familiar. yeah, it, Go ahead, it is, that's right. <laughs> uh, they they they've sacked the opponent forty seven times, which is great. But but that fifty number is, ooh, that's frightening. Uh, they're giving up sixty two point four percent completion percentage, which is which is good. Uh, they've scored thirty seven TDs and their opponent has scored 37 TDs. Not so good. They've thrown 16 interceptions and had 16 picks. Not really good. 
Um, they've recovered 11 fumbles. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, their defense has recovered seven fumbles and they've given up 11. So they're, in addition to all of these individual numbers, which don't bode well, they're minus four in giveaway takeaway, despite the fact that they have a really good defense. The numbers tell you that they have a really good defense. 16 interceptions is, is, is saying something. You know, when you're getting one a game, you're doing a heck of a job. But, uh, but they, you know, they're not getting it done offensively. That's clear. Uh, the secret weapon for them that keeps them in games is the kicking game. Uh, Tressway is averaging uh, 44.3 yards net. By the way, net punting is what counts, not gross punting. So when you look up the statistics, if they're giving you gross punting, uh, throw it away because uh, net punting is, is, is what counts. Um, and uh, they're averaging uh, 5.7 yards per punt return and giving up 5.8. So that's, that's, a, that's a push. They're only averaging 20.8 yards per kickoff return and and they and they're giving up 26.1 which is not terrible you're going to get 25 with the with the touchback anyway um but if i were the special teams coach or i would have, if i were the as i was the advanced scout i would go to the special teams coach and say coach look at these numbers let's take the film off and see who's uh who's returning for them because we may want to force them to return the ball so we create field position um, that's what the number tells you. Um, and now it, it, Hopkins is 30 for 32 on, uh, on uh, uh, extra points and 27 of 34 on field goals, but all of his misses are 40 plus. So what this tells you is that if, if, if you're on, on defense against these guys, you want to keep them outside of that 40 yard range and your odds are pretty good that they're going to have to punt the ball or go for it on fourth down. So every team gets a, 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 a computerized and uh, visual um, field position scouting report. So it really resonates with the guys. Obviously we can't do it on this show, but it really resonates. And so, they will be reminded, the defense will be reminded, and the coordinator on his chart, which, as you know, if you watch television, are color-coded, on his chart, he will have a color code that will remind him that he's got to make a call to keep these guys from outside 40-yard range. That's his, that's his goal, because the chances are pretty good that they're not going to convert from anything you know, longer than 40. So uh, uh, just a little, uh, you know, a little inside look at, at, at how guys prepare and actually how they call the game. Um, all right, let's turn to the Bucks. And if you happen to be a fan of the team, as I know uh, you are, uh, this will not uh, make you feel good. And uh, for those that believe that uh, uh, Tom Brady is on his last legs, father time will have his way with Tom at some point, but it isn't this year. That's for darn sure. On offense, 43.5% on, uh, on third down. Excellent. Defense, 40%. Uh, 
uh, average yards per play, 6.0. You hit the jackpot on that one. And 5.1 on defense. 95 yards rushing per game. Um, a lot of that is early in the season when Rojo was hurt. As you'll see, his numbers have picked up as the season's gone along. So that's a little bit of an anomaly. What isn't an anomaly is the fact that they're giving up 81 yards rushing per game. This is a defense that stops the run. Passing 289. That's right back in yeah. Tom's wheelhouse. Um, yep. 247 given up. They've, they've given up some, uh, they've given up a little more, I think, than they'd like in the passing game. 22 sacks, which is great. <clears throat> Excuse me for a guy who can't move. They've got 48, which is also exceptional. Um, completion percentage is 65.5. The defense is giving up a 69% completion percentage, but the eyeball test in watching smatterings of film and not taking it off um, the way I would if I were breaking it down tells me they're playing a little more zone. And that makes sense because a lot of times they're protecting leads at the end of the game. So that 69% completion average, I think, is, is really a function of what the offense has done uh, and, and what the defense is required to do to close out games. Um, PDs, 59. Thank you very much. Um, 42 given up. That's excellent. They've thrown 12 interceptions and lost five fumbles for a total of 17. Um, if you listen to the broadcast and Tom throws an interception, you would think he threw one about every other play. He's actually throwing one about uh, one and a half every other game. Uh, and uh, they've got 15 picks and 10 fumble recoveries for a whopping plus eight on, uh, on uh, uh, to give away takeaway. Uh, let's look at the, at the Johnnies and Joes. Tom, 65.7, 7.6, that's right on the money. 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's four to one, roughly. That's that's what you want. And um, 102.2, so he's above the magic number there. Uh, rushing, Rojo, 192 carries, so he's gotten a lot of work. 5.1, that's beautiful, seven touchdowns. Fournette, 97 carries, so he's gotten some work. 3.8, which tells you that he was not a, a number one draft choice. Um, that's why he's here. Uh, he's a complimentary back. Six uh, touchdowns. Vaughn, 26 carries for 4.2. And uh, this one was a, a funny one. I throw it in there because it's, it's funny and interesting. Tom Brady, 30 carries for a whopping <laughs> two-tenths of a yard. <laughs> but he's the Forever. best quarterback sneaker of all time, right? Ever. Well, there you go. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Man. <laughs> okay, here's the here's the interesting part. Now, the 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 passing game, which is maybe more vintage Tom Brady than it's ever been, and I think you you I think you credit Bruce Aarons for this. Evans, seventy catches, fourteen point four, thirteen touchdowns. He is what he is. That's the downfield. Go get the contested balls, guy. Godwin. 65 catches, 12.9, seven touchdowns. The intermediate guy will go get the ball and catch it all the time. Gronk, 
45. 13.8. That's Gronkland. No other tight end goes there. Seven touchdowns. Brown, AB, 45 catches, 10.7. That was a little surprising. Now, the eyeball test tells you that he's running shorter routes, and it may be that Tom wants him to do that or Bruce wants him to do that. That's not what he did in Pittsburgh, but but it's working here and four touchdowns. Scotty Miller, who who Brady absolutely loves, Bruce Aaron tells me Brady absolutely loves, and here's why. He's been nicked up a number of times during the year. So he only has 33 catches, 15.2 yards per catch, three touchdowns. And and the the silent assassin at tight end, Cameron Brake, 28 catches, 10.1, two touchdowns. So six guys contributing in the passing game with nobody over 70 catches. That's really, boy, is that good play design. And that's taking what the defense gives you, and, and, it, and it, it's enough to drive you crazy if you're a defensive coordinator. Um, we might be in trouble. Yeah. I I have a feeling you might be, even though your pass rush is outstanding. Yeah. Keep in mind that the that the, the Bucks have given up 22 sacks, which is okay. But but it's you know it's about one and a quarter a game. But don't forget, Tom gets the ball out awfully fast. And you guys have recorded 47 sacks. So if I'm looking at matchups, I may say the defensive front of the football team is a win versus the O-line of Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. So that to me says eh, maybe it's not quite the blowout that people think it's going to be. Because Vegas has it only at eight and a half. I'm sorry. Say again. Oh, eight. eight the Vegas, Vegas has it at eight, eight, eight and a half. So, so the Vegas well, they're looking at the same. The Bears are a bigger the same numbers I am. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking at the same yeah. numbers I am. They, they, in fact, I, I probably, I probably should be in the betting business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, how? Let's, let's talk for a minute here about how Scott's team even got into this. What? Do, what's your opinion? of what happened in the Eagles game against the football team. I mean, was that blatant tanking? And should the league do anything about that? No, it's not tanking. It's protection of a draft choice position. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, and that's perfectly legal. Um, I won't give you the long explanation. Years ago, it came before the competition committee. Commissioner Tagliabue said, study it, come up with an opinion. We did. We said when your when your playoff position is solidified, uh, and and another team is dependent on what you do in the final game, uh, tough on the other team. You've solidified your position. You're 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 entitled to do whatever you want to do. It it arose out of a game where we in Buffalo had uh, our everything clinched, and we were playing the Detroit Lions. Chicago Bears needed to win and have the Lions lose. And and we played Jim Kelly sparingly. We played Bruce Smith sparingly, Cornelius, et cetera. Um, and, uh, 
and the Lions won. Barry Sanders had a great game. He was scintillating, and they won. And Coach Ditka pitched a fit, and so uh, we brought it before he brought it before the competition committee, and and uh, the competition committee said, and Commissioner Tagliabue announced actually at the league meeting that hey, if you've solidified your position. Uh, you do what you need to do to get your team ready in the playoffs. You have no obligation to worry about anybody else. That's solidifying playoff seed, or in this particular case, protecting a draft choice position. Uh, that is not tanking. Tanking is an entirely different subject. So that affects so the, the other 31 teams, and you have no right so, to do that, in my opinion. So I I certainly understand the first case because that's going on forever. Somebody's somebody's in, uh, you know, they want to rest their players to either uh, give them a chance to heal up. They certainly don't want to get them hurt. Obviously, the Eagles hadn't solidified anything other than not being very good. Uh, so you, your feeling is that going the the other way to to get yourself a, a better draft pick or keep a draft pick is equally uh, as fair game as resting guys when you know you're already in the playoffs. It's, it's, I, yeah, it's because you and I have never discussed this before. They were, at, they were out of the – the Eagles were out of the playoffs. So a loss was going to guarantee them a better draft position. So let me ask you this one. If you're the head coach, should you at least have the integrity to say that? If it's, if it's actually okay, how can you say, oh, we were playing the win? when the game's over, when you're obviously not playing to win. So, I mean, and I understand this isn't a technical violation, but, you know, how about just being a stand-up guy about it? Well, that's a judgment that everybody can make. Uh, uh, a good friend of mine who is, uh, who shall remain nameless because he's quite famous once said to me, there's no law against lying to the press. <laughs> so, I think we've learned that. I think if we learned yeah, that in 2020, yeah, you don't go to jail for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least not yet. But yeah, so uh, that that's certainly yeah, uh, that's been driven home for. for and I mean, uh, in Doug years. Peterson's defense, they did say. I mean, he did say all week he was going to play Sudfeld. That's correct. He told the uh, he told the. Uh, I mean, he told anybody uh, that would listen. It's, it's, I told anybody who believed yeah. he was going to do it's it. Not, no, yeah. it's, just, it's not that it was. A, it's not that it was a surprise. I'm just saying, if whether it's a competition committee or Paul or whomever, uh, you know, has said this is kosher, which is another good Irish expression. If they said it's kosher, why not stand up and say, look, you know, we have to look to the future. This season's gone. We needed to protect our, our draft pick, like point. So I mean, why not do that? That to me, when I sat there and watched it, I was more uh, sort of upset by that. And I think that's what more people are talking about is not that you can't do it, but then just be honest. That's what we did. Well, it, to his, to, in his defense, Coach Peterson said to the TV people, at least because they acknowledged it before the game, that we're going to play all three quarterbacks. He had made that clear. Right. So – he had said it in Philadelphia media all week. I agree, but they okay. weren't playing to win. It's just that he said they were playing to win, and they weren't. That's oh. all. That's semantics. Um, all right. Hey, here's one thing. We're here to talk about football, not moral judgments. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, 
football wise. <laughs> so that that eighty one number uh, is the scariest number you said as it relates to this game, right? So their rush defense, conference wise, league wise, is yardage wise, is leaps and bounds above anybody else in the league. You have ten yard per game difference uh, when compared to the Rams, the next closest person in the conference. If you were the football team looking at this game and you go, hey, when Alex is in, given his circumstance and his situation and how brave it is he's playing, but clearly he can't really drive the ball. I mean, I think we attempted two passes beyond about 15 yards the whole game. Would you, much like Coach Rivera's talked about today, would you think about rotating quarterbacks in this game? Yes, I would. I would. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if Alex has has, has – doesn't have the ability to drive the ball, then you do have to come up with some alternative. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'd be thinking about an alternative because it allows them the weakest part of their defense. And this is all relative is the secondary. Um, they have some, some guys in there that are young and, and vulnerable, but you can only, can only make them vulnerable if you can threaten them. And if you can't threaten them, you know, they can sit on the run. They can sit on McLaurin. But let's talk a little bit about the – I'll answer your question by giving you the the numbers. Smith is uh, 66.7, um, 6 of 8, 78.5. Heineke is uh, 63.2 uh, and 102.3. So, obviously, he's driving the ball down the field and getting more yardage. Um, Gibson is 170 carries, 4.7. That's more than good enough to win. McKissick, surprisingly, 85 carries, 4.3. That's eh. And then Barber's 94, 2.7. That's not good enough. McLaurin, 87 catches, 12.9 average, four touchdowns. That's what he is. He's a 13-yard receiver. Uh, McKissick, 80 out of the backfield, 7.4. That's just an out of the backfield receiver who's getting the ball a lot. Um, two two touchdowns. Uh, Thomas, the tight end, seventy-two balls. That's a lot for a tight end. Nine point three, which is which is perfect for a tight end. Zero touchdowns. And Sims, who's only uh, coming on the scene recently, thirty-two um, thirty-two uh, catches, fourteen point nine. So he's the guy who can go downfield. He's also a very good return man. Um, so, you know, they're very limited. What you have to defense is McLaurin. What you have to defense is Gibson in the run game. And, and then, you know, and Thomas in certain situations. Other than that, what, what threatens you? So, I mean, <laughs> not a lot. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's wearing another jersey. Yeah. <laughs> That that will now be Bill. That will now be our answer to any question you ask us. Is Jimmy Graham? There you go. But if I were the Bucks now, I would be thinking, let me get on top. Let me get on top. I want to come out quickly and build a lead. I'm on the road to begin with, but let me come out quickly, build a lead. And, and make these guys from play from behind where I can run the ball with Rojo, who's averaging five yards a carry now, and take a lot of the steam and a lot of the strategy out of that 
out of that great rush front. That's what, if I'm Bruce Aarons, that's what I'm telling Leftwich to do. We want to get after them early. We want to try and score early and often and build a lead and take that rush front out of the game. Unfortunately, um, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. but I, Well, you never know. You never know. But that's what the, that's what the numbers clearly tell you. Before right, we move on to another, another before we, I just want to say one thing before we move on to another game, and I know you feel this way too, Bill. I mean, to me, uh, what Alex Smith has done is just so extraordinary that you know, uh, and and do you know, and then now even re-injured and going out there even when he can't really, he's not a hundred percent now. Uh, I mean, the guy, the, the, this guy just deserves all the respect in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I voted for him as comeback player of the year, and I'm pretty sure he'll he'll win it. Um, let's turn to a very interesting game and a, and a rematch, obviously, Seahawks and Rams. Let's look at the Hawks. This is a really interesting team. They're 40.2 on third down. They're giving up 47.1. Oy vey. That is not a good number. <laughs> Not for a playoff team. Um, their average per play is 5.8 on offense. That's good. 5.5 on defense, not so good. They're averaging 123 rush, rushing yards per game. That's entirely dependent on Carson and Hyde being healthy, and my presumption is they will be. Um, the 246 a game passing, which is perfectly fine. Here's where the improvement in the defense has come. They're giving up 96 uh, in rushing, but 285 in passing. Part of it is that they've been better against the rush, and they had, do have a good linebacker core and a decent rush front, a decent uh, run front. But the, the other part of it is teams say, I'm not going to bother to run for four yards or five yards when I can pass for 16. So, <laughs> you know, that's where that number tends to be. Tend, tends to be a little a little deceiving. Um, <clears throat> they're completing 69% of their passes. You'd expect that with Russ. Um, the opposition is completing 67. That, too, is an OIV number. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got 55 TDs. They're pretty good now giving up only 42 TDs. TDs, excuse me. They're, they're pretty good um, in the red zone. Interceptions, they've thrown 13. And, and given up five fumbles for for 18 uh, uh, turn, uh, 18 uh, take uh, giveaways, excuse me, and they've, they've uh, picked 14 and recovered eight fumbles for 22. Uh, so they're plus four, which gets you in the playoffs. That's a good number. Here's an interesting number. It's 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 astonishing especially with Russell Wilson playing quarterback, they have given up 48 sacks. That's three per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got 46, which is an improvement. You would never have predicted that at the halfway mark when we are even at the 12 game mark when we did our study, but, but, um, but given up 48 sacks. Wow. That's a lot. Um, so uh, 
let's look at the let's look at the Johnnies and Joes. Russell is 68.8, 7.55 per um, per pass attempt. That's great. 40 and 13. That's great. 105.1. It's a typical Russell year, and he is among the elite and and headed for Canton. Um, here's the interesting thing. This is why they have a chance. Carson, 141 carries, 4.8, five touchdowns. Russell, 83 carries, 6.2, two touchdowns. Russ is a threat. you got a defensive. So that changes the entire focal point of the game because you have to defense his runs. Hyde, 81 carries, 4.4, four touchdowns. So this is a productive running game. Russell is a running back. He's the second most productive running back. And uh, as a result, uh, you, you got a defensive. And that gives defensive coordinators headaches, upset stomachs. They throw things. They get mad. They, they complain <laughs> about communist football with quarterbacks running the ball and so on. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that, that it is what it is. Uh, the receivers. This is interesting. Lockett, 100 catches, 10 touchdowns, 10.5 average. He is what he is, Mr. Reliable. Metcalf, 83 catches. That's that's amazing for a young guy. 15.7, that's also amazing. 10 touches, 10 touchdowns. Carson, interestingly, 37 catches, 7.8 per catch. That's typical running back numbers four touchdowns. Moore, 35 catches, 11.9, six touchdowns. He's, a, he's clearly a, a down-the-field guy. And the two tight ends, Hollister and Disley, combined for 50 catches for uh, 9.5 yards and five touchdowns between them. So there's six receivers who get involved. The two top guys are obviously well-known. But you got to defend Carson out of the backfield. You got to defend the tight ends, and you got to defend more when he's in the game, in 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 four wide situations. Um, in the kicking game, Dixon is um, 44.4 net. That's amazing, and the opposition is 40.6. So you're picking up four yards per punt. That's the equivalent of about. Point nine points in field in in, in in just in the kicking game alone. So that's pretty that's pretty impressive. Punt returns they're nine point three with more. That's very good. Seven point one given up. That's okay. And kickoffs uh, it, it's a it's a push twenty two point five versus twenty one point four. But Dixon in a punting game is a weapon. Let's turn now to the Rams, who are also quite interesting. Um, on third down, they converted 43.4. That's excellent. That's good. It's not excellent. 35.4 given up is excellent. TDs, uh, they've got 43. They've given up 33. Rushes, they're rushing at 26.1, which is exactly what you'd want. Uh, they're giving up 91.3. That's terrific. Passing, they got two, 250.9, uh, 251 yards. 
and they're giving up 190.7. Woo-wee. That is <laughs> better than excellent. Average yards per play, they're at 5.5, and their opponents are at 4.6. Wow. What a ratio. Yeah. Completion percentage, 66.4 for them, 63.3 for the opposition. Interceptions, they've thrown 14. They've picked 14. They've recovered 11 fumbles. I'm sorry, they, they, yeah, they, they fumbled 11 times, and they recovered eight. So they are minus three in giveaway takeaway, and the culprit is giveaway takeaway, both fumbles and interceptions. So that's why this team sort of had a back into the playoffs because of the giveaway takeaway. Minus three is not good for a team with, with this with this kind of production. Um, their net punting is, is this year is not good, 39.2 versus 43.9 for the opposition. That's, that's again, that's a giving up about 0.9 points uh, uh, on average per game in, in, in hidden yardage. And uh, their kickoffs, uh, they're only averaging 21.7 but they're giving up 28.3. Wow. So in the kicking game, that's almost the equivalent of one more turnover. So that's not good. That's not good. Let's look at the, uh, let's look at the, uh, the people. Goff, 67.7, uh, 67% completion, excuse me. 7.16 per attempt. That's okay. 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Not good. And uh, and a 90.0 QBR. That is not good. That's not playoff quality football by Jared Goff. And I hate to be sort of a conventional wisdom guy. I almost viscerally reject it. But the conventional wisdom is that Jared Goff is not having a good year, and he's not. That's what these numbers tell you. Akers in the running game, 145 at 4.3. That's okay. Henderson, 138, 4.5, five touchdowns. That's okay. Brown, who's the heavy-duty short yardage back, 101, 4.1, but five touchdowns. So he gets the job done there. Goff, 51 uh, carries 1.9, four touchdowns. And Woods, who's used on supply, sweeps quite a bit. Um, 24 carries, 6.5 yards, two touchdowns. Interestingly, the, 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 the Goff numbers are interesting and the receiver numbers are, are really interesting. Cup, 92 catches, 10.6. Isn't that what he is? When you see those mm-hmm. numbers, you can see Cooper Cup in your mind. Three touchdowns. Woods. 90 catches, 10.4, six touchdowns. I can see him in my mind's eye. I remember scouting both of them, saying these guys are solid, contributing, winning receivers. Are they Marvin Harrison? No, but you're going to win with them in the National Football League, and that's what they are. Reynolds, um, 52 at 11.9. He doesn't catch the ball as well as you'd like. That's probably why that 52 is down there. But the 11.9 is clearly – 
a, a good number, two touchdowns. And Higby and Everett combined 485 uh, at about 10.5 and six touchdowns. So they spread the ball around. The two wide guys are, are, are the guys that, that get most of the work done. They're intermediate. I don't want to say possession receivers. That's not in vogue anymore. And, and that's good. But they catch the ball. Cup is his security blanket. He's the guy that he goes to when, when, when things are toughest. But Goff's performance has hindered what is a dominant, dominant defense. A dominant defense. 53 sacks. 25 sacks registered by the opponents. 53 for the Rams defense. Wow. I mean, that, 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 that's a great, it's a great performance. It's a dominant defense, good enough to win every football game with an offense that where the quarterback is, is, is not clicking on all cylinders. That's, that's essentially what it, what it boils down to. And, and, and they're opposing a team who can challenge that defense because they do have especially in the run game, quality guys who, and, and people in the passing game who can, who can get down the field and, and, and make huge plays. And, of course, Russell, who they have to defend, which is a kind of a secret weapon, um, versus uh, a defense, a Rams offense that isn't clicking on all cylinders, especially in the passing game, uh, versus a defense that really can't defend the pass. So this is the movable object versus the resistible force. (laughs) (laughs) Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Resistible. That was really good. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it's, that's, this is going to be, this is an interesting game. Plus it's a rematch and it's a division game. So they don't like each other very much anyway. And uh, and so it should be a fun game to watch. So, Bill, you mentioned the fact that, you know, these two teams are uh, very familiar with one another, play each other quite often. When you're preparing for a game, when you when you are going up against some a team that knows you so well and whom you know so well, is there uh, a need or at least um, a hope that you will uh, put either – come up with something different, whether it's a gadget play or something uh, that will catch them unawares, or do you kind of go back to the old Vince Lombardi, you know, we're going to run the sweep. If you can stop us, go ahead, but we think we're better than you are at doing it. Which, which way, how does that play out? Depends entirely on the uh, on the head coach's point of view. Um, Tony Dungy and Marv Levy believe in we do what we do. We just do the ordinary in an extraordinary way. Now we always had extra wrinkles for division opponents or people that we knew quite well. Um, Bill Belichick, on the other hand, is going to give you different defensive alignments, different offensive formations, sometimes different emphasis on the runner passing game uh, every time you play him. 
it's just a matter of the, the head coach's proclivity and the coordinator's proclivity. Okay. And and uh, what is your take uh, this time around with, with you know lack of fans? Would this be is that going to have any effect? Is it a possible? Is it possible that road teams have gained a little bit of an advantage they normally uh, lose uh, in in uh, years when the stadiums are packed? Or will it, is, is oh, yeah. you think no, at this point? The home, yeah, the home field is nowhere near as uh, as as big an advantage as it, as it would be if the fans if the stands were packed. No question about it. Mm-hmm. It levels the playing field even more. Mm-hmm. So, so those of you who do, uh, you know, do certain activities around football, keep that in mind. Yeah, I don't know Rick's what becoming our Al Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what the people I I don't know what the people who set the points are are making the the home field at now. They typically make it three points. Um, I, I don't know what they're doing now because I don't follow it, but I would. My guess would be it's probably less. It clearly is less of an advantage. There's no question about that. And and the and the numbers, the regular season numbers bear that out. The the, um, the visiting team is winning at a higher clip than they they have in the past. And that's especially true in places like Seattle and New Orleans, where the the home field is is just right. an incredible advantage acoustically. So it's okay. interesting that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and it's interesting to say, you know, that's not just a weaker team, stronger team, even though almost these are almost all really good teams. That will that that differential is still going to be here. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's turn to um, to the heavyweight match here. In fact, this may be the super heavyweights. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Tennessee Titans. Um, this is a slugfest from start to finish. Um, Tennessee on offense, on third down, 46.2%. <laughs> Guess who's converting that? <laughs> on defense, 51.9. Not, not that, That's close to an OIVA number. <laughs> uh, TDs. 62 scored, uh, 55 given up. Uh, average yards per play, 6.2. That's a great number. Uh, 5.9 on defense, that's not a great number. They're rushing for 168 uh, yards a game. Uh, they're giving up 121 yards a game, which is uh, very good. Uh, the 168 is, of course, off the chart. Um, Passing game, uh, they're generating 228 yards of passing yardage a game, which is pretty good, giving up 277, which which isn't good. Um, they've been sacked 25 times. Here is uh, their Achilles heel revealed in stark uh, uh, black and white, 19 sacks. They simply cannot rush the passing. They don't have the people to do it. Completion percentage, they're completing at 68.2. That's a that's a, a tribute to Tannehill and to Arthur Smith, the coordinator. 
They're giving up 67.1. Not so good. They've been intercepted seven times again. Uh, great job by Tannehill. They've lost five fumbles. So that's, uh, that's 12 giveaways. That's an amazing number. And uh, they've got 15 interceptions and eight fumble recoveries for 23. So they're plus 11, mm. which is tells you why they are where they are given the fact that their defense can't rush the passer and really can't defend the pass. So, you know, the plus 11 is, is, is really a very, very good number. Um, the, the kicking game is, 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 is pretty much a push in all three facets. Um, Tatney Hill, 65.5 percentage completion percentage, 7.94, um, uh, uh, average per pass. That's a hidden number that I don't think the average fan recognizes or knows about. Credit to Jim Nance on the broadcast last week for highlighting it. Um, 33 touchdown passes for Tannehill versus seven interceptions. That's amazing. And that's all to his credit. 106.5 rating. Um, Derek Henry 378 carries. Ay, ay, ay. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a yo to that. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's two seasons worth of work. <laughs> 5.4 yards a carry, um, 17 touchdowns. He is clearly the offensive player of the year. And I might add 2,000 yards, which has only been done a handful of times in, in NFL history. Um, Tannehill, Hill, uh, 43 rushes for 6.2. So you do have to defend him, especially in a read option game. You've got to defend him. Seven touchdowns. They like the read option in the red zone uh, because uh, uh, he's, he's, capable, he's a capable runner, and that's a lot of where those seven touchdowns come from. And uh, to show you the difference, <laughs> you know, it's all saying the back mix, the line, right? I, I used to get arguments from some draft mix about that. And Foreman, you know, pretty steady runner, uh, 40, 36 carries, 4.3, one touchdown. A little different than King Henry, right? <laughs> so yeah, a little while bit. This, is a, yeah. this is a slam bang offensive line, that is not designed to protect the passer, i.e. the 25 sacks, um, it, 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 it still, you know, it's the running back who, who makes it happen. Here's the passing game, and this is, this is what's interesting. It's quiet, but it's deadly. Uh, Brown, 70 catches, 15.4, 11 touchdowns. That's big, big, big time. And in a year where so many receivers are setting records and setting the world on fire. He's getting short shrift, but he, he's having a, a all pro year. Davis, 65 catches, 15.1, five touchdowns. And Smith, the tight end, 41 catches, 10.8, eight touchdowns. Who should we look for in the red zone? Hey, Rick. Now you're doing this one, Scott. I'm not taking. I'm not taking my chance on this one. I know you're going to say Jimmy Graham. I'm, 
No, I want – okay, I'm answering this one straight up. For me, I want Derrick Henry in the red zone. Well, who else in the passing game? Who else in the passing game? He means in the passing game. Of course you want Derrick Henry. Who else are you going to – I might want a little somebody who might have played next to DJ Metcalf named A.J. Brown. No, I'm talking about this team. I'm doing a very good, poor job of teaching you guys. I'm very, very poor. This is, I'm, I'm hitting myself over the head. Here. We're the mad. question is, the question is, men, you're listening to these statistics as you would a scouting report. And I said to you, after giving the touchdown statistic, who should we look for in the red zone in the passing game? I just said previously, I gave you three possible answers. You got one, which is Henry, because he's got 17 touchdowns, right? I gave you the second one because I said, Tannehill, you got to watch him on the read option Run. in the red right. zone, seven touchdowns, right? And then I said, player X has eight touchdowns as a tight end. Who should we be looking for? He's only averaging 10.9 yards a catch. Uh, Who should we be looking for in the red zone? Okay, I'm going to give it to you. I would like a little of the uh, Johnu Smith action. There you go. There you go. Well, so it proves. Uh, but I do like. Uh, so, but for wait, me, for me, and this is maybe recency bias. Recency bias. That catch that AJ Brown has man hands. I mean, that catch he had at the end of the game this past week. That I I get it, but I I'm an AJ Brown guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's there was the. Reason and I would be kicked question. out of your meeting. But, no, no, I know. No, this no, is why I would be no, kicked no, out of yeah. the meeting. That's another no, possibility. No. no, here's the reason for my question, because it's obvious that we know that Brown, with 11 touchdowns, makes plays all over the field. So we're going to have to take him away. The secret weapon, when everything else is, if they if they decide not to smash it in there and run read option. Uh, or speed option, the secret weapon is John o. Smith, yeah. where they sneak him out. That's that's that's. If you've defended everything else, they're going to go to him. That was well, my point. You, that and was since and, you, you know, you, you since you fed it to us, since, and yeah, and we, yeah. Well, but that's it's my job as a as a coach. It's nah, my job is being put. We don't get we don't, we don't neither of us get. There's no credit for that answer, Scott. Sorry. It's better than my first sneaky answer, Bill, when I was going to well, go with the Corey yeah. Davis answer, mainly well, because I'm enamored with the idea of him coming to the football team. All right. All right. Uh, just say Jimmy Graham every I'm, time. I'm, I'm doing, we're going to have to have another meeting to go through this scouting report again we, because it's clearly not, I'm not getting through. Yeah, we, we but, are. Uh, okay. Gostowski in the kicking game, uh, 44 for 48. In, uh, in extra points, which is not great. And interestingly enough, in his hometown of Memphis, I'm sorry, Nashville, his hometown is, he went to Memphis, 18 for 26. So beware of the field goal game. Beware of the field goal game if it comes to this in this, in this slugfest. Uh, but I leave you with this number. 168.1 yards per game rushing. So what are we going to do if we to beat the Tennessee Titans? What do we who do we have to stop? King Henry. 
Well, All right. I'm going to say John U. Smith. <laughs> Don't be a wise guy. <laughs> okay. Baltimore. Um, third down, 48.4. 48.8, excuse me. That's excellent. On defense, giving up 34%. That's excellent. Average yards per play. 5.9. That's excellent. Plus, giving up 5.2. That's excellent. Um, sacks. They've given up 32. Some of those is because the quarterback goes the wrong way or gets trapped or you know something untoward happens. It's a, some of it is a function of the. Uh, of the quarterback running around. Yeah, holds up. He holds They've only the got 39, which was shocking and astonishing to me. They've only got 39. This is a this is a team that that should be sacking the quarterback at a higher rate, um, but they've only got 39. Um, however, their opposing QBR is 87.2, so they're getting the job done on the back end. That's for sure. Completion percentage, 63.3, 63.5 on defense. So what they're doing is, is giving up underneath passes, but, but still getting the job done. PDs, they scored 55. They've given up 37. They're pretty good in the red zone. Net punting, they're 42.3. And uh, as opposed to their opponents, 40.6. That's that's a good number. That's an excellent number. Fumbles, um, they've lost 25 uh, and, and recovered only seven. So you know that that's that ain't good. And mm-hmm. um, 33 and 12 for the opposition. Um, I did not compute the plus or minus, but I'll, we'll we'll get there. I can do it before we're off the air. Um, Kicking Tucker, who's generally considered outstanding, 52 for 53 and 26 for 29. So he's he's having his usual um, yeah. outstanding year, and he's missed a clutch. Um, the quarterback, Jackson, 64.4% completion percentage. Interesting. 7.33 yards per attempt. Interesting. 26 TDs, nine interceptions. That's too many. It's, it's not not what you want necessarily. Um, 29 sacks and 99.3 QBR. So he has improved. He's improved. He's not. 99.3 is really probably not what you want in the end, but. It's okay. It's okay. Rushing. And here's where the, this tells the tale. Jackson, 159 carries, 6.3 yards per carry, 70 Ds. Pay attention now. Dobbins, 134, 6.0, 90 Ds. Edwards, 144. 5.0, 6 TDs. 
How are we going to beat this team? We're going to run the football. No, you make you make Lamar Jackson throw. That's right. We're going to. We're right. going we, we ain't letting this Stop team the run. run. That ain't happening. Stop the run. That's exactly right. Buckle yep. your chin strap. Get up there. Have a fist fight. Stop the run. When he drops back to pass, mush rush. Keep him in yep. the pocket. Don't let him get out. Make him yep. throw from the pocket and make him beat you passing. Because this yep. is a team that buckles its chin strap and comes out and says, we're punching you, we're punching you, we're punching you. And in the fourth quarter, we're going to punch you out. You're going to be stone dead, and we're going to run over you like a like like roadkill. Um, so you got to be ready to play this team and go for four quarters and just get in a street fight for four quarters. That's point one point, And I don't mean, I don't mean an undisciplined street fight. I'm talking about being in the right gaps, making sure that your technique is correct. And then when it comes time to hit them, hit them twice as hard as they're trying to hit you. Don't ever get knocked back. Stand in there and whack them from start to finish. And, and by the way, Bill, they're going to hit back. This is a heavyweight fight. So yeah. both teams are going to take a lot of punches. The key well, yeah, because even if you look at oh, – sorry, Bill. Go, go ahead. The, no, go ahead. How, the key, Bill. How do you – So okay, so like here's the thing, right? Like it seems to me dumb fan time. The Ravens are going to run no matter what you do. It's not like, say, the Washington football team when inevitably – Tampa crushes the run, they're going to get away from it. It would seem to me like in this game, both the Titans and both the Ravens, they're going to be held bent on running the football. Scheme-wise, what do you do? Is there certain things that you do schematically to try to make it difficult, or is it just at some level, hat on hat, and the the, the tougher guy is going to win? I think it's the latter, although scheme-wise, what you want to try and do is create situations that to take away some of their blocking advantages. And you're going to give something up to do that. You're going to have to match up your secondary against their receivers. And then you're going to have to squeeze. This is the key to the whole thing. Squeeze Jackson in the pocket, which means that you do not go up the field and run by him. You do not try to sack him. Don't try to sack him. Squeeze him in the pocket. Squeeze him. Squeeze him. Squeeze him. Put bodies on top of him. Don't give him an escape valve. Yeah. And, and just keep pushing his offensive lineman into him, and and then plaster up in the in the in the, in the secondary, and, uh, and 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 then take take away that run instead of instead of allowing them to run for five yards a carry. Make them get 4.3 yards of carry. That's how you in do a, it. In a weird way, so hey, Bill, in a weird way for the Titans, because they can't rush the passer, and this is probably counterintuitive, does it make it easier? So, like, if you know going into a game like this, look, we can't rush the passer anyways, so it makes it easier schematically to say, okay, we're going to stay at home, we're going to go with the must rush, we're not going to do things, we're not going to break contain. Does that help them at all in some weird way in this yes. matchup? Yes, it does. And I, I'd use Landry I'd use Landry almost as a spy. I, I might play five down with, mm-hmm. with the five biggest kahunas I got 
and have them go right down the middle of the uh, of the uh, Baltimore offensive line, and I'd use Landry as a spy. And, you know, Bill, I almost think the other thing you do here is, having watched all the games, uh, you know, not try – I'd let my D backs take all the receivers. I I would keep my linebackers in there clogging the middle because that's the place that he can throw the ball when he's when you know when, when he's running around. And if you have to play one on one on for everybody down the field, I think that's fine because it's going to be the rare throw that he's going to make that's really going to beat you downfield. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. Uh, and and that that shows up in the receiving statistics. Brown is 58. He's only 58 receptions, 13.38 touchdowns. Uh, Andrews, 58 receptions, 12.1, seven touchdowns. Snead, 33 receptions, 13.1. He gets down the field, you know, a little bit. And Boykin, who's kind of a hidden weapon, 19 receptions for 14 yards. He's the red zone guy. Uh, and, and a little bit of the downfield guy when they open the formation up, but they don't like to do that. Um, and, and and as you say, Tennessee doesn't have anybody who can rush the passer anyway. So right. in, in a sense, it's a blessing. Just get in the middle of the, as, as Rex Ryan said, five down. Just cover every offensive lineman and, and drive them back into the quarterback yep. and make sure that you keep them in the pocket and don't give them any scenes. Make sure that everybody's, you know, at the same level and never, never, never go by his level. Never go by his level. Make sure you are keeping him on your inside shoulder all the time mm-hmm. and never get pushed by his level. Yep. Yep. So, I, I, now, that's I, counterintuitive, but for the big, the big coaches, right. they, can, they can do that. Yep. Uh, Baltimore is a, at- a much more difficult matchup against a Buffalo, I'm sorry, they're, they're much more difficult to play against, against the Buffalo where, where they're a team that gets up the field or the Rams. Yeah. They won't play the Rams unless it's in the right. Super Bowl, but a team that gets up the field. It's uh, Washington. He, he might, Lamar Jackson might cut Washington up. <coughs> because well, he so did. Much. He, in fact, yeah. we've seen that movie this season. Yeah, and he did. we have. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. and yeah, that's it. Nobody's. Nobody tackles him one-on-one. Nobody. My vibe is that this is the worst matchup that the Ravens could have gotten. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And from a fan perspective, this is, if you like slugfest, this is it. And in many ways, it's the worst matchup Tennessee could have gotten, too. Yeah. Because this defense is a salty, hard-nosed defense. And and if they don't have to worry too much about the passing game, they got Wink Martindale's going to give you run blitzes you haven't seen before. But in the yeah. end, it's two heavyweights punching each other. Who's going to be standing at the end? Right. Um, you know, that's the other thing. I And I, I don't want to get caught sleeping again while I look at statistics. But uh, from my eyeball take, Bill, when you talk about the Ravens should have more uh, sacks, I, I think uh, – they just don't get enough pressure. They don't get enough sacks uh, out of the front. They have to blitz to do that, and that's when they're vulnerable. Well, that's it, there's the blitz is designed to get the sacks. Right. The, the their secondary is outstanding. They can cover anybody. Yes. 
Humphrey's outstanding. I mean, it, it, they're really good. But their, their, their construct is to bring more than you can block, and that's how they get their sacks. What I meant by the number being down is I would have thought as good as they are at outnumbering people and, 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 and rushing people with Judon and guys like that, that they would have had more sacks. But mm-hmm. the defense is not designed for those three big hogs in the middle to get sacks. It's, it's, designed, it's like Pittsburgh. It's a different construct, but it's like Pittsburgh. The outside guys are the ones who get the sacks. Um, but in any event, the numbers was a bit surprising. But this is a, this is kind of a match made in heaven, and probably not the one Tennessee wanted when it's all said and done. I feel like this is this is more a match made in hell. I think this is the other one. I don't think this is heaven. This is hell. This is a street fight. Well, I think the you, other game is like, heaven. Yeah, if, if, if you like street fights, this is heaven. Exactly. <laughs> I think the one coming up is heaven. I think the one coming this up is, this is, is the, a tricky uh, one. This, this Scott, that's you're young. This is the football. You, you know, this was football when football was football. This game. Oh, and these guys have done it before. This reminds me of the like '05 games with Ray Lewis and Eddie George. These are there. We've got a history for this stuff with these two teams. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. This is it's old true. school. That's for sure. It is old school stuff. Um. Okay, now we turn to the Buffalo Bills versus the Indianapolis Colts, which is drum roll, which drum roll, please. Yes, the Bill Polian Bowl. Here we go. Yeah, uh, this is a this is a. I'm conflicted here, but uh, I've got to try and be analytical. Well, we're um, going to make you pick a winner. We didn't pick a winner in any other game. <laughs> you got to do this one. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I didn't. I didn't sign up for that. But uh, we'll, didn't, we'll cross uh, that bridge. When we come to it, uh, right. let's go Buffalo. Sophie Joy. Third down, forty-nine point seven. That's of course outstanding, and and that's really a combination of of a huge improvement by Josh Allen, and um, and really his ability to run the ball, giving up thirty-nine point five. I think they'd like uh, thirty-nine point eight. Excuse me. I think they'd like better than that, to be honest with you. Um, Average uh, yards per play, 6.1 uh, versus 5.5. The five point, they'd like better than 5.5. Um, their rushing per game, 108. Uh, the opposition, 119.6. That's a little high. Um, passing per game, 289. That's, that's outstanding. And 233, which is, uh, which is really good. I mean, they're, they're doing a good job against the pass. They've been sacked 27 times, which is a, a combination uh, of Josh sometimes holding the ball. But that offensive line is not really constructed. They're not Tennessee where they're real. They're just maulers or, or, or Baltimore where they're just maulers. But they're semi-maulers. They're not real great pass protectors. And, uh, and so that, that number is is not surprising to me. And and they've gotten 38 sacks, which is below what I think Leslie would want. Leslie Frazier would want if you, if you gave him some truth serum, uh, but they're, they're the defense is not playing at the level that it played at the last two, three years. They've had some personnel changes. They've gotten better over the last third of the season. They've gotten better, but still not, I think what they want. 
64.4% uh, uh, completion percentage. That's okay. They've, they, here, here's the, the incredible number. Um, they've thrown 11 interceptions and picked off 18. That's really something. And Josh Allen has done a magnificent job. And kudos to Brian Dayball for constructing an offense that has allowed him to do this kind of, do this kind of a job. Um, very important number in the kicking game. Well, I'll hold there on there for a second. Fumbles um, 11, plus or minus Buffalo 22, opposition 26, plus four. That's why they've got the, the second seed. TD 60 and 44. That's a wonderful number. And so they're very effective in the red zone. They've become very effective in the red zone, and that's because Josh Allen can run. Um, the the kicking game numbers are interesting. Um, their net punting average is 44.0, uh, and their opponents is 39.5. Now, in Buffalo at this time of year, that's a really important number, especially for the visiting team because they're they're not used to being in there, and uh, and and that's a five yard number anyway, which is which is equals one point. That's a that's, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good differential there. Um, so uh, that bears watching in, in the ball game. The kicking game is always important in Buffalo, but they've done a wonderful job with the punting game this year. All right, Allen, yards per attempt, 7.94. Woo-wee! <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was that good. Uh, touchdowns, 39. Interceptions, 10. 4-1. to one. That's rare territory. QBR, 107.2. That's why he's in the MVP um, discussion. And he should be in in another year without um, Green Bay um, setting the kind of records that he is. Um, Josh, I think would have would have won in a walkaway. It's unfortunate he's up against a extremely strong candidate in the other conference. Running game, Singletary, 156 carries, 4.4, right on the edge of being being really good, two touchdowns. Moss, outstanding draft pick, 112 carries, 4.3, four touchdowns. Allen, 102 carries, 4.1, eight touchdowns. So he's being more judicious with his sliding to begin with. And secondly, he's really good in the red zone with the read option and bootlegs and stuff like that. So this is a credit to Brian Dayball for constructing this kind of an offense. Um, and, and, and Josh Allen is, is, is the linchpin here. And what, this, what these numbers tell you is you better treat him. You don't, have to, you don't have to rush him the way you have to rush Lamar, but you better treat him as a runner. He's a 102-carry guy. So you, you better treat him as a runner. Uh, you got to defend him in the run game. These are three rushes: one fifty-six, one twelve, one two. You know, one hundred two. They they're they're splitting the workload. 
So he's, he must be defensed as a runner. In the passing game, um, Stefan Diggs, 127, 12.18 touchdowns. Wow. wow, what a connection they had. It's amazing. That worked out. And the stuff that, <laughs> yeah, I guess that worked it out did. for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brandon but I mean, it worked out get... for Minnesota too. Yeah. Brandon Bean's going to get the Executive of the Year award, and he deserves it. And I think Sean McDermott deserves Coach of the Year. Um, that that trade was very similar to the Cornelius Bennett trade. It was the last piece in the puzzle. There are a lot of similarities between this Buffalo team and our teams, and 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 this is this is one of them. Uh, Beasley, who may or may not play, uh, and that's important because he's 82 catches, 11.84 touchdowns. He is uh, Diggs is the go-to guy. Beasley is the security blanket. And that's wonderful for a quarterback to have. That's Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne. And that is equals a dynamite passing game. And a quarterback who sleeps very well the night before the game. If Beasley can't go, huge advantage for the Colts. Huge advantage for the Colts. Singletary, 38 for 7.1. That's what a running back should do. Davis, a young kid who's coming on, 35, 17.1. He's a home run threat. So when he comes on the field, you better be alert to the fact that he's in the game. He's the home run hitter. And we and, and you can't, in football, you can't pitch around it. So if we're sitting in the DB room, I'm going to call out Davis's number and, and, and say to the group, what are we looking for when this guy's in the game? The answer is the deep ball. Uh, and and Knox, the tight end, 24 for 12.0. Um, he should be a little more productive. Um, he, he's sort of he's getting there, uh, but there's so much else going on with this offense that he, he's a bit of an afterthought production-wise. But if Beasley's out, I look for Knox to be. The guy that they that they that they that they turn to, um, and uh, Bass, the kicker, fifty-seven for fifty-seven, and twenty-eight for thirty-four, and in Orchard Park, that is dynamite. And you better be mentally tough to kick in Orchard Park, New York, uh, at this time of the year, which is why we had. Scotty Norwood and Steve Christie during all the weeks. We gave Steve Christie a huge free agent contract uh, to take him from Tampa Bay to Buffalo. And, 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 and Culverhouse, the owner of Tampa Bay, cussed at me the, the first time he saw me at the league meeting <laughs> and said, why would a guy want to go from Tampa Bay to Buffalo? I said, because he wanted to be with a winner, Mr. Culverhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it looks balmy on Saturday, though, Bill. I mean, how much of a factor do you think that's going to be? I mean, it looks like it's going to be 30, only 8-mile-per-hour winds. This, this could be kind of like Tahiti and Buffalo cold. on Saturday. Yeah, shirt, yeah shirt sleeves. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the fans will be in shirt sleeves and shorts. There's no question. Yep. In, in, yep. in Orchard Park, you want it to be 17 and sleety. Yeah. That's, that's, that's Bill's weather. Teddy, with the great, great Teddy Marchabroder used to say, what's the weather report? And someone would say, between 17 and 20 and sleeting. Teddy said, Bill's weather. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so this is this is this is May in, in Orchard Park. There's a La Nina. I think it's a La Nina. <laughs> And, and yeah. so this is the year when uh, when the Northeast doesn't doesn't have the severe weather. So that's a break for the Colts. Clearly a break for the Colts. Um, okay, except let's look polling. at the Colts. <laughs> Ironically, except for the course, polarized definitely. <laughs> yeah, uh, co- uh, coached by uh, Western New York's third favorite quarterback, Frank Reich. He's been supplanted <laughs> by by. Josh Allen. Josh Allen's officially moved past him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that's three pretty good quarterbacks, I'd say. Um, on offense, uh, on third down, thirty-nine point six, excellent. Defensively, forty-two point four, that's excellent. Um, average yards per play, five point nine, that that's good. Five point four on defense. You'd like to be a little bit better, but that's but it's okay. They're rushing the ball for 125 yards a game, and that's gotten better uh, really since the Green Bay game uh, when Taylor got his legs under him and grew up and got past the rookie wall and 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 decided, hey, you know what? I can play in this league. And uh, hey, I'm from and Jersey. Time to get Jersey yeah, tough. That's right, and, and he's 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 been marvelous. Uh, ever since so that's a real plus and they're giving up 90.5 yards a game which is which bodes really well in this matchup that's a number to keep in mind in this matchup because the bills offensive line is kind of built to run and 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 not so much to pass protect um they're they're built to do both if you will um and if you can you can limit the bills running game now you put it all on the passing game, which is a little more difficult for them to do, especially without Beasley. They, if Beasley was in there, they can win with passing game only. Josh Allen makes them, and Brian Dable, ironically enough, and maybe logically enough, makes them like the Patriots. They can play you any way they want, they want to play you or you want to make them play. So if you say I'm going to take the running game away because I can I can do it with my talent, that's fine. If Beasley's in there, they can beat you throwing the game. If he's not, that's I, I know I'm repeating myself, but that's a that's a, a horse of a different color. No pun intended. Um, do you think if he's not in there, that the game from last year creeps in at all into their psyche? I, I don't know. Like Sean will Sean will get by that one. Uh, I think Sean will. I'm sorry. I think Frank will get them by that one. No, no, I don't think so. Um, don't forget, you know, that's that's ancient history. Um, and and he's you know he Josh is past that. Sean will get him past it. Um, the Colts have been sacked 21 times. That's a tribute to that offensive line, which is maybe the best in football when they're all healthy. Costanzo's not there, which is a major uh, problem. Uh, but um, when they're healthy, they're the best in football because um, Philip is not mobile. And he's even less mobile now because of, of, the, of, of the foot injury. 
So that, that that's a great number. And they've got 40 sacks. I think I think they'd like more, but but they that that about speaks to the sacking talent that they have. That's probably a, an area they'd like to like to improve. Um, touchdowns they've scored 50. They've given up 43. Solid. Um, they've thrown 11 interceptions. Um, if you read the 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 and listen to the Buffalo uh, to the uh, Indianapolis Press. You think that 11 is 22, but it's not. I was actually a bit surprised by the number. Um, so their plus and minus is uh, 15 giveaways. Uh, and here's here's what the defense does. They've intercepted 15 times and taken away 10 fumbles. So they are plus 10, which is why they're in the playoffs. Um, but return, um, this is a... This is a big plus for Buffalo. Hines is 10.0 for return. He's a weapon. And Rodgers is 28.8 for kickoffs. Now, Bass has a big leg. I don't think Rodgers, I don't think they'll, absent some Lake Erie wind, uh, I think they'll kick it, up, kick it out of the end zone every time. Rodgers is a real weapon in the kicking game uh, with kickoff returns, but I don't think they'll kick to him. Um, <clears throat> Rivers. Um, 68% completion percentage, 7.68, which is fine. 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That's not really good because the touchdown number isn't good. There should be more touchdowns there. 97.0 passer rating. So he's not near the magic number. It's not as bad as Goff. I don't think they're suffering because of him, but they're not getting the production out of the quarterback position that they probably should given the talent that they have other places. Um, Taylor, 232 carries. That's a big workload for a rookie, by the way. 5.0, 11 touchdowns. How about that draft choice? Great pick. Yeah. Worked out Hines, pretty well. They had a nice yeah, draft. Sure did. Sure did. Hines, 89 catches. He's a big weapon out of the backfield or, or flank, however they choose to use him. 4.3, uh, three touchdowns, 89 uh, uh, rushes, I should say. Wilkins, 84 rushes, 3.7, one touchdown. And the the human short yardage and goal line package, Jacoby Brissett, 17 rushes for 1.1 and three touchdowns. That was one of the great Easy. coaching moves that Frank yeah. Reich made bringing yep. Jacoby Brissett into the Packer game after being 0 for 3, scoring touchdowns in the red zone and and letting him be the short yardage goal line back. It's one of the reasons why Frank's such a great coach. He's, it, he's also rivaling Brady as a sneaker. He's a pretty good sneaker as well. He is, well. He's a pretty he good quarterback pretty, sneaker. Yeah, he learned yeah. the What do they good? teach up there for that? <laughs> Whatever it is, it's, it works. Yeah. Um, Hines in the receiving game, 63 for 7.7. He's the, he's a bit of a go-to guy. T.Y. Hilton, uh, he has to be healthy for them to win. Um, 56 for 13.6, five touchdowns. The 56 is because he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries during the year. Pascal has come on. As Frank told me, he would uh, later in the year. I was a bit skeptical, but as usual, Frank was right. 14.3, five touchdowns. Pittman, 
who hit the rookie wall and I think is about to break through 40 for 12.6 and one touchdown. Taylor, 36 for 8.3. So much for he couldn't catch the ball. Yeah. He, he's doing yeah. a nice job there. And yeah. and the tight ends, Allie Cox, Burton, and Doyle, who are really one guy, they play three tight ends a lot. But they're really one guy in terms of how you defense them. The, the total 81 catches for 11.0 and, and six touchdowns. So this is a varied receiving core. When they're all healthy, they give Frank and Nick Sirianni a really good ability to spread people out, to give them different formations, to make them change personnel. And, uh, and of course, uh, on defense, I'll give you some key guys on both sides. For the Bills, it's Milano, the outside linebacker, the will linebacker. Edmonds is on the verge of having a Pro Bowl year. Uh, it's very close. Uh, he was injured a lot of the year, too. But he's back and playing great. Um, Jerry Hughes was specifically rested last week to be ready for this game. Uh, and, and now he won't be against Costanza. Or, uh, he won't be on the left. He'll be on the right side. Jerry plays on the right side most of the time. Um, uh, but maybe they move him over because Costanzo isn't in there. And missing the left tackle makes it really hard. Um, but um, Milano is is the secret weapon. He can cover. Um, he's a hellacious run defender, and he's great reading plays. He's got great anticipation, and he's one of these guys that wherever the ball is, he shows up. And lots of times he causes car wrecks and fumbles and things like that. So along with the, the safety tandem led by Jordan Poyer, um, this is a this is a solid veteran Leslie Frazier type defense. Oliver's grown up and and learned how to play inside. Um, they've they've inserted another guy in there, another big guy in there who's given him a little stoutness against the run. So the defense has improved, but it's principally improved because Milano and the middle linebacker um, are back healthy. And as long as they're in there. Um, this is a this is a really it's a it's a good defense. So this is a this is a tough tough matchup because we know on the Colts side, uh, Darius Leonard fifty three is out there. He does amazing Pretty things. Good. And 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 the two young kids in the secondary uh, have played great. Blackman's played great at safety. Um, this is you know this is a good matchup. I don't think either team is crying about the matchup. Uh, it's the one o'clock game, which is a throwback to the old days uh, in Buffalo. The, the reason you played at one o'clock in the playoffs was so people would not have to drive home in a blizzard in the dark. Um, and so Rogers going back to his old roots when he was the guy who scheduled the playoffs uh, back in the eighties and nineties. Uh, and uh, and they got the one o'clock game. So from a climate and a 
and a safety standpoint, although there will only be, what, 6,700 fans or something like that. It's going to be um, the loudest, wildest 6,700 fans I think the oh, league has absolutely. ever seen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I wouldn't, be so, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there are triple that in the parking lot, if, if the police yeah, allow it. Right. I don't know if it's allowed. But the, the bottom line is um, this game is, is – I don't know what the points are. Uh, to me, it's a toss-up. And and the big question is, does Beasley play? Yeah. Bill, my vibe is, do you feel like whoever wins this game actually is the team in the AFC that could give the Chiefs the biggest challenge? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, yeah. And in a bit of a surprise, Buffalo's favored by six and a half. That's interesting. That's interesting. I'd be, I, I, I think the number. I'd be inclined to say that the number should be lower, particularly with Beasley's absence. Yeah. Now uh, I know Sean said it's day to day, so you know maybe that changes over time, uh, or maybe they're trying to just get some cult money in. I don't know. There, there are a lot of people out there that are not Philip Rivers believers, and so that may, that may be part of it as well. It could also be the recency of someday they look like the 91 Bills. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. They're not there defensively yet, but but there are days when they look like that on offense. And um, and um, but I think Costanzo's loss. You know, does Beasley counteract Costanzo? No, because the matchups are totally different. Stanzo's loss is huge for the for the Colts, simply because Phillips not mobile, and he's going to know that Crazy there's someone act. over there that isn't Costanzo. Would you so, ever think of kicking uh, Quentin Nelson to the outside? No. No. Yeah. Uh, Howard Mudd, who constructed uh, and coached the lines that uh, you know protected Peyton all those years said one move on the offensive line is bad enough having to put a substitute in substitute tackle in to pay to play for Costanzo would be bad enough to move Nelson to make two moves is suicide and as you can tell it registered with me yeah <laughs> I've never <Yeah>. forgotten <laughs> and he's right so so Bill uh no prediction on who's going to win, but it's going to it's going to be a tough one for you just to sit there and be neutral the whole time, no matter what what's happening on either side, when you really care about both teams. Yeah, it is. It's difficult. Uh, I'm going to have to be like the president at the Army Navy game, you know, sit on one side for one half and the other side on the other. Right. Hey, but you're guaranteed to get a team into the divisional round. So well, that's, that's right. That's the, that's the exactly. good part. I, I've got somebody to root for going forward. Right, exactly, going forward. And Bill's fans have to be Our... conflicted, too, because Frank <laughs> is Frank is a big part of, of, of Bill's history, much more so yeah. than, than I think the general public knows. Yeah. I would assume we're going to see a lot, of, uh, a lot of comeback videos in terms of the story going into uh, how the TV broadcast cuts up the pregame show this week. Probably, yeah. 
probably. And there, and there's Dude, a few people here in Maryland coaches, who, who still root for him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Two great coaches, by the way. Sean's yeah. a great coach, yeah. as is Frank. They're both great. Uh, it's a shame somebody. I would not want to. In, in the end. I think we know who'd win at wrestling, though. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is that an event? I didn't see that on the schedule. I, I think Sean McDermott would be the last coach in the league I'd want to wrestle. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think that's that's a, that, that's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, no, so he wins at something, which matters. All right, well, that is our breakdown, Bill. Thank you so much for putting all the stats together uh, and getting it going. I think we've got two super quick audible questions. Rick, hit us up with the first one. So, Bill, when you're when teams are coming into the playoffs like this, do you believe in momentum? Is that really anything that matters or not? No. Momentum is, uh, to use a baseball phrase, momentum is your the next day's starting pitcher. Um, health is the most important thing. You know, we, we were criticized um, in Buffalo, where I learned how to do this, and in Indianapolis, where Tony felt exactly the same way I did, for resting starters at the end of the regular season when we had everything's clinched, home field, seed, et cetera. Um, the result was advancing in the playoffs virtually every year and uh, between the two teams, six Super Bowls. Right. So, uh, and, and, you know. And so that, that also dismisses the rust argument. Yes, of course it does. Of course it does. And, and there is no rust. Because you practice. Not. These guys, right. it, it, it's such an ignorant statement. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Because the players don't play in the game doesn't mean they don't practice. They practice the very same way they would if they were going to play. They get the very same reps, except for the quarterback. You rest them a little bit so his arm's a little fresher coming in. Everybody else gets the same reps. Uh, they don't get a lot of reps at the end of the season because they've had a lot already. But the right. fact of the matter is that they get reps. They get first-team reps. So they're not standing around conversing with one another, telling jokes. They're out there practicing. <laughs> and and, and yeah. so there's no rust. That's nonsense. Exactly. And the goal is to make it to the Super Bowl. So for all of you out there that want to revisit things in 2009, 2010, Bill, you made it to the Super Bowl. We did make it to the Super Bowl, and the irony was you're referring to the fact that there was a yeah. uh, an insurrection in Buffalo because – I'm sorry, in Indianapolis because we took Peyton out of a game, the last game of the season, or the second to last, I can't remember. We were undefeated anyway. And, and we told people at the eight-game mark, undefeated means nothing. Super Bowls right. are going, we don't care about being undefeated. Uh, but the newspaper decided to make an issue of it. And uh, and so we had damn near had an insurrection um, because we took Peyton out of the game, we lost, and the undefeated season went by the boards. Um, and so not only did we go through the playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl, ironically, on the last play of the game, because it was a one-score game in the championship game, we kept White Freeney in the game, and he got a high ankle sprain. And we lost them for the Super Bowl. 
So the very thing we protected against mm-hmm. in the regular season came back to bite us in the championship game, and we lost to the uh, New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl in large measure, taking nothing away from the Saints, but in large measure because we didn't have our best rusher for three quarters of the game against Drew Brees. So it simply proves the point. Right. But, yep. Yep. You know? I've tried to fight that fight all week. All right. Well, last oh, one. Yeah. I know we went through some sentimental things with the Bills and the Colts, but for both of you guys, how cool would it be to have an AF quarterback starting a playoff <laughs> game in John Wolford this weekend in the NFL? <laughs> Well, he did a great job Sunday. That's for sure. I'm yeah. yeah. happy for him. Really happy. He's a great young guy. Um, he, by the way, is the nephew of Will Wolford, who played yeah. left tackle for us during all the glory years in, in Buffalo. So there's, there's there's another ironic connection. And he did he did a marvelous job. And uh, if he has to go, he'll he'll, he'll be ready. Yeah. And and it's, for me, it's going to be a ten six hours at the polling house. That, that'll uh, that'll, give, that'll give me one other thing other than my my rain slicker from that league. It'll give me a it'll give me a yeah. little thrill. One thing the league did not take into account your TV watching or what your Saturday was going to be like scheduling the Bills and Colts to be followed by an AF guy playing in the playoffs. There you go. All right, Gabe. Well, well that's, uh, that's that was idea. yeah. <laughs> it's all about wrecking your Saturday. Yeah, well, that's why that's why the the playoffs are are, are the uh, the attraction they are because it's the best football at the best time of year. It's this is my personal favorite weekend of the year, and it only got better with two more games. So uh, you know, I know we did some regressions. Hey, the AFC defied all the statistical laws with a ten and six team not even making it in. So yeah, they did. You know, that's who did. knows? That's true. That's true. And we were talking about that off the air, whether there should be some kind of thing that should happen so something like this doesn't happen again. It ain't. never know. All right. Uh, we're not going to eight. If we're going to eight and anything in football, no, no, that's not, eight teams that, into the college playoffs. That, that, that wasn't what you suggested. My suggestion was it would be fun is if the, the, to make it a true wild card, that you could move the like in this instance, you could move the AFC team that was ten and six into one of the NFC slots, uh, so that you know it's a true wild card situation. Never gonna happen, but would be kind of no. Fun. It's, it wasn't. Yeah. It's never gonna happen, and here's why. Years ago, uh, the competition committee said, uh, "Let's do this. Let's let each division winner be declared the division winner." Um, that's important to the owners and important to the integrity of the division pennant races. We get that. But let's guard against the seven and nine team sneaking in and getting a home game. The seven and nine team that year happened to be the Seattle Seahawks, who had, if not the best, the second best home field advantage in the league. And I believe it was either Dallas or New Orleans. Who had to go? It was New Orleans. It's the it's the it's the New Orleans beast mode game. The ground is still quaking. Okay, so New Orleans had a great record. They had to go to Seattle, and they lost. And so, 
many members of the competition committee said, look, this isn't necessarily fair. And what the competition committee is about is fair. And why don't we let the seven and nine team division winner in, but seed everybody according to their records? That's the fairest way to do it, which would have would have certainly put Seattle on the road and not at home. Mm-hmm. And so we prepared this great presentation for the owners and we made it with the greatest amount of sincerity and salesmanship we could give. And they shot it down in the winking of an eye. They just gave us the back of their hands and said, get lost. The division winner gets a home game and that's right. that. So, uh, so there will be no room at the inn for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, not uh, not no. gonna happen. Not gonna happen. All right, gang. Well, thank you so much for today. As always, if you have any questions for the Audible, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at I have Bill Polian. We'll be back next week with another rousing breakdown as we head into the divisional round, taking a look at what the matchups will look like, see what happens in this Super Wildcard weekend. Enjoy the football, and as always, everybody, please. Stay safe and wear a mask. Absolutely. Mask Stay up. safe, everybody. Absolutely. A happy New Year. Yes, happy New Year. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.